Welcome to Across Africa, our weekly look at stories from across the continent. I'm Georgia Calvin-Smith, and this week there is a special reason to celebrate in Senegal as millions of pilgrims from the Murid branch of Islam came together for the Grand Megal. This year also featured an exhibition of rare photos of the order's founder. Also, a quest for justice. We spoke to some of the traumatized relatives of the dozens of children in the Gambia whose deaths were linked to toxic cough syrups made in India. They've sued drug maker Maiden Pharmaceuticals and now wait until October for their day in court. And for some Beninese students heading back to school, class never ended. Summer was spent expanding their tech horizons in special digital entrepreneurship camps. But first, more than three million pilgrims met in the Senegalese city of Touba in early September for the Grand Megal, one of the largest religious gatherings on the continent. Followers of the Murid branch of Islam came together for an annual celebration that had an extra element this year, rare and recently acquired photos of the order's founder, Sheikh Amadou Bamba. Our correspondent reports. Few knew these photos existed until 2020. The unpublished images are of Sher Ahmadou Bamba, a 19th century hero of Senegalese colonial resistance and founder of the Murid Brotherhood, a branch of Islam prominent in Senegal. The portraits were publicly exhibited for the first time in Touba during Monday's Grand Magal. Muslim delegations from around the world attended the religious celebration, made all the more special by the rare photos. They were bought this year at auction in France by the Murid Brotherhood. Everyone knows that this heritage is extremely important. It's very important history for us. This is the reason why the Murid came together to buy these photos. There's a project for a museum in Touba. That's where the photos will be kept. Every year, more than three million believers attend the Grand Magal in Senegal. It is one of the largest religious gatherings on the continent and commemorates the exile of Cher Ahmadou Bamba, who was sent to Gabon by colonizer France in 1895. He is our religious leader, our spiritual guide. He gave us directions that we must follow in order to receive God's forgiveness. All the disciples meet. We meet new people. We pray that not only Senegal, but the whole world be in peace, in the grace of God. The Marid Brotherhood has set up an organization to look for and document other potentially undiscovered images of their founder. Now, the relatives of 19 Gambian children whose deaths were linked to toxic cough syrups made in India have sued Indian drug maker Maiden Pharmaceuticals, as well as local health authorities, with the first court hearing scheduled for October. At least 73 Gambian children, mostly babies and toddlers who were given the medicine, died from acute kidney injuries. Our team spoke to some of the bereaved parents on their quest for justice. Sam Bradpiece reports. These photos are all that remain of Lamine Sanya. The three-year-old died last year after drinking toxic cough syrup imported to the Gambia from India. More than 70 other children, all under the age of five, suffered the same fate. Lamine's father, Ebrima, remembers the night before he died. Monday night, if I'm talking to Lamine, he'll be just looking at me like this, but he will recognize my voice but the eyes will turn in like he's looking somewhere else. From that Monday night, I lose hope. 
Not long after his son's death, Ebrima set up a collective comprising dozens of bereaved parents. At least 19 of them have launched legal proceedings against Maiden Pharmaceuticals, the Indian drug manufacturer, as well as the Gambian Health Ministry, the National Medicines Control Agency and the local distributor of the cough syrup. They are seeking a total of close to $5 million in damages, but insist it is not about the money. We want justice so that this never happens again. I lost my child, but tomorrow it could be someone else who loses theirs. National health officials did not want to discuss the upcoming court case, but insisted that measures have been taken to improve quality control. We feel that the market for drugs is very safe in the Gambia now because of the interventions taken by the medicine control agency. Now, any drug coming into the country is tested before it's allowed to come into the country. Before certificate of analysis alone was enough, but now, no. We are now putting in measures to ensure that this does not happen again, even if you have unscrupulous manufacturers. The first court hearing is scheduled for October in the Gambian capital, Banjul. Coastal erosion is picking up pace in Ivory Coast. More than a third of the country's coastline is vulnerable to the ravages of the rising sea. From fishermen to hoteliers, the effects are reshaping the economics of whole communities, with the poor and tourism dependent most at risk. In the village of Asuinde, residents say the coastline is receding as the years go by. Artisanal fishermen are the hardest hit here. This year is bad. We don't even know where we're going to park the boats. We have to destroy lots of houses. We don't know what to do. The sea is too high. People who work in tourism here too fear for their businesses. Every day, the employees of this hotel clean the sand carried by the sea water. Today, we have a very high tide. At the moment, it is washing up the sand, so the floor is covered with water and sand. It's tiring. It's making us lose customers. When people see that the tide is getting higher, they think it's no point in coming. According to experts from the Waka program for the management of the West African coast, the countries in this region are losing 1.8 meters of land annually through sea erosion. When people move, you have to look for other land, other areas to resettle them. So first, we need to make people realize erosion is here and it's happening. We also need to rethink urban development so that people can take this phenomenon into account. Coastal communities here are sitting on a ticking time bomb and many fear it is only a matter of time that the waves catch up with them. In Benin, students have been heading in for the mid-September back-to-school rush. But for some, class never really ended. The summer was spent brushing up on their business know-how in special classes put on to boost digital entrepreneurship. Our team popped in. At just 13, Sigolen already has a clear vision of her future. She is one of about 20 students learning digital entrepreneurship at the Seme One campus in Benin's capital, Cotonou. The courses are government-funded and are held at facilities with state-of-the-art technology. 
I place my finger flat here and it measures my blood pressure. The results will appear on the small dial. I enjoy playing around with different materials to create something new. This robot is programmed to take various vital readings from patients when they go to the hospital. They're ahead of their peers. They need to be able to say, OK, I have a crazy idea, but here I have a safe space where people believe in me. The Digital Valley program at Epitech enables instructors to inspire young students to become entrepreneurs. A career path often sidestepped by the traditional educational system. After high school, most young people struggle to start their own business. They wait for exams and just hope to find a job. However, even if they had a basic knowledge of entrepreneurship, they would be able to stand on their own two feet. I want to create on my own. I would love to become the boss of my own robotics company. Public speaking is another essential skill for every future entrepreneur, but is still not taught in school. This leadership academy helps pupils find their voices. The leader is the one capable of conveying emotions. I know how to speak in public now, how to position myself and how to talk to people without being afraid. To boost economic growth, Benin is banking on the digital economy. The government is building a Silicon Valley, roughly 40 kilometers from Cotonou, to prepare for future jobs. Their site will house 3,000 students and researchers. And the commutes just got easier for some people in Lagos. After years of delays, residents finally got to ride the Nigerian megacity's new railway in what the local government's hoping to be a start to easing up some of its infamous gridlocks. Clarice Fortune reports. Mind the closing doors. The first metro is ready to depart after more than a four-decade's delay. It now links the mainland part of the city with the more affluent Lagos Island. Among the first passengers, the Lagos state governor who's playing station manager. And passengers seem to enjoy their new way of transport. It's a very smooth experience. It was um, very short. It was very smooth as well. Everything was organized. It's going to be a boost to the economy and also it's going to improve the livelihood of people because we spend a lot of time on, on traffic. And with this, in less than um, 10 minutes, we are here. The Blue Line project, built by a Chinese construction company, is a relief for more than 20 million residents used to spend hours in traffic. It will also reduce the environmental pollution because it's run by electricity. And of course, it will make transportation more seamless and more comfortable. The second phase of the rail project is expected to begin later this year, allowing the metro to carry some 500,000 passengers daily. Well, that's it for Across for now. Thanks very much for joining us. See you again if you can. Until then, take care.